What's up, friends? Um, I know we just had a great weekend because we found out that we're not gonna have to deal with the stupid idiot in the White House, and that's not gonna cloud maybe our everyday freaking thoughts, you know? And it's been a while since I last released an episode. Uh, got a little busy, you know, obviously a lot of things were happening in the world, and I also started a new job. Exciting, but uh, as a result, I'm gonna be a little bit busier, which is why I haven't released a podcast in a while. But I do have a new episode for you guys today, which is fun, and oh man, it's just, I'm just really, really glad. It felt like a weight lifting off of our shoulders um, when we found out the results on Saturday, and man, I hope you guys are doing great, and I hope you guys are holding up, and still knowing that, you know, there's obviously lots more uh, to be done whatever that might mean to you. But we've got the momentum, honey buns. That's, that's my new, it's my new motto. You know, I was doing a lot of, doing a lot of fun podcasts out there. You know, I got to do Asian Boss Girl, which was a lot of fun. I got to do Doughboys and I plan to, you know, I love to do podcasts and promote Stay Positive. So, you know, if you guys have your own podcasts, invite me on. I'll come on. I love it. I love to talk. Uh, but the one thing too is I did start a new job, so that's why I've been a little bit slower about editing. Um, but I have a couple podcast episodes banked, so this is one of them. This episode is with a really cool guest who I actually recorded with, I think, over a month ago. So we may talk about stuff that feels dated in it. I don't think we do though, because we talk about mental health, therapy, um, my guest's life, which is evergreen. This guest is perfect for this podcast because she actually has expertise in all the stuff that I talk about here with absolutely no expertise. What do I mean by that? Well, she's a counselor. She's a therapist. So she actually talks through these types of things with people. You know, this podcast is all about thinking and being all in your head and being positive and what and yada, yada, yada. So, you know, she actually does this stuff for a living. And she's also my cousin. (laughs) Ha ha. You know, I had to have another cousin on and we were overdue. She is a cousin that I've looked up to for my entire life. She's just the embodiment of grace and wisdom. So you're gonna love this interview and I was so happy to get to talk to her. So here's a chat with my cousin, Natalie Shung. Hey, hi, Nanny. Hello. Hi, Sierra. It's so nice to see you and it's so cool to be on this side of it. You know, because I'm Ooh, used to being a listener. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, feel free to talk as much as you want now. No need to listen to what I have to say. Um, but yeah, this is exciting. I mean, I know you do a lot over uh, video chat, but if you want to talk about what you do, and then I can also preface by we're cousins, oh, but yes, you know, I'll cousins. get into that. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah. Yes. Let's see, like an intro, kind of a, let's see, I'm, so I am Sierra's cousin. Um, I am a therapist out here in Hong Kong. So, so yes, so I live in Hong Kong. Um, I was born and raised in the U.S. And, you know, many holidays spent with Sierra's family. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, about 10, 11 years ago, I moved out here. Uh, my husband and I, he was already working out here. So I moved out here to join him and let's see what else. We have two bunnies. (laughs) Yay! 
Yes, the, that's very, very important information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just getting that out there for the fans. Yes, yes, right. I'm trying to build my my bunny fan base, which is very right, small. right, important. Yeah, yeah. It's easy easy to build. I would say they <laughs> they do it themselves, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the I mean, yes, I guess I should have uh, started by saying so. I know I've had. Christy on the podcast, about yes. Melissa, as far as the family on the podcast, and it's yes. honestly the best, because <laughs> then I get to talk to you guys in a long form, which I, I guess I talk to Melissa in long form, but I don't know if I've been able to talk to you one-on-one long form like this, or or Christy as much, and it's sort of like, I guess I've heard Christy on her podcast. Yes. <laughs> so I, I kind of heard a lot listener. more, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah. Shade and Fog. And so we got to talk about that. Yeah, Shade and Fog plug. Um, but this, but I remember when we were talking, I was like, oh yeah, well, Nanny, our oldest, uh, I guess our oldest female cousin is, mm-hmm. that, yeah, yes, that's right. True. Um, Justin is our oldest male cousin, uh, you know, is an actual therapist. Cause we got to talking about therapy and it's like, well, yeah, of course, but she's Nanny, you know? So it's just funny because obviously, you know, we know these things about each other, but it's always maybe not what we get to talk about at at holidays like you said it's like pretty few and far between and I hear we hear about each other's life updates and things like that but it's very exciting to actually get to talk you know and it's you it's you make a really good point because you've seen um you know you see behind the curtain you've seen the sausage being made you know what I'm actually like as opposed to you know I I always pictured therapists as being I don't know just embodied special unicorn souls that you know never get it said and never have a bad day and understand at all times and have endless time for you and um, which is true but so too do you know accountants and comedians and pharmacists in different in different capacities (laughs) yeah yeah it's just a job but it happens to be something that I'm really into and really enjoy and yeah 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 and it's um yeah so I guess diving into that right away like what how did you find your way to being a counselor and a psychologist because I think that's kind of not you know I know it wasn't your first career so yeah yeah yeah. actually that's a really good question because I wondered it like and now that I am working in this profession it makes sense but at the time it um Yeah, so I, in undergrad, and sort of throughout my little journey, I see how there were little kernels placed. Like, for instance, I had this amazing roommate who I lived with basically all throughout college, um, Donna, who was a psychology major and has gone on to practice and, or, you know, went to grad school and did the whole thing. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's interesting, because as you know, in our family, everyone is... uh, you know, is uh, in in medicine or engineering or business and something like psychology, which in fact is is also one of the tenets of careers out there, um, seemed really different to me. So I didn't really have an understanding, but she kind of introduced it, you know, just by association. Um, and then I had other friends, Caroline in college, who went on to study and is practicing in L.A. Um, 
Yeah, but so anyway, let's see. I studied business as an undergrad and I worked in business and then um, uh, had various different careers kind of in consulting. Um, and then I switched at one point and was at a recruiting firm, which, and I was there for a couple of years. And then in my last year there, that happened to be during the economic downturn. Um, and so a lot of people were leaving that profession and it just so happened one of the women I was working with was leaving to do her master's in psychology. And so that was kind of what got me interested in how to actually execute. Actually, I should say that was what taught me how to actually execute on my interest. Um, yeah, cool. Long answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was no, circuitous. that's great. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize, yeah, I did... Uh, was around that time and you know also like you said I think I was even talking with um, Melissa my sister about you know the fact that we are kind of like that you know mental health of course has become more of a topic that people actually talk about less stigmatized and even maybe in our generation like more trendy because it's like a fun exciting thing and so you know maybe that's part of why maybe our parents growing up weren't really like, didn't see that as an option or didn't really know that that was like a thing that would be not just a career, but also like a thing to treat or to to look into. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then, but even Melissa was like, oh yeah, she was, I kind of remember Melissa being interested in that stuff. So maybe I saw it from her mm-hmm. and maybe she saw it from you. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I, we're like, well, how do we trace this? Because it didn't necessarily come from, our parents like a lot of other things have but maybe friends and like you said I mean clearly you had at least a few close friends who were in it into it Uh but then you also had to pick those friends so (laughs) clearly they they, like had a personality that uh, was attractive to you you know (laughs) yeah actually that's a really good point perhaps it wasn't just completely um, luck but yeah it's interesting I actually you make a good point because I see how much our parents generation was just not as familiar. I, I remember even talking to my mom about how she decided to have, um, so I'm the oldest in my family and then I have two younger sisters and we are each very close in age by today's standards. We're each two, uh, Michelle and Kim, like one and a half to two years apart. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I remember asking my mom why that was and she was saying at that time, um, the guidance was to have children quickly or, you know, kind of close together because then they won't remember. I unfortunately, I don't remember exactly what she said, but I guess they won't remember. Yeah. The sense was they won't remember this kind of messy period and they'll kind of grow up together, you know, um, which is, and, and the dream happened because the three of us did grow up together as kind of peers (laughs) fighting together, playing together. Um, Whereas nowadays, I think the guidance is a little bit more like you and your sister, where the spacing Mm. is a little bit more. And I guess the idea is that one child reaches a certain a certain degree of development and um, independence so that when the next one comes, there's I don't know just some degree of personhood already in the first one. Oh, interesting. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I think Melissa said she did, she packed her bags and wanted to leave when I came <laughs> through. So she already knew she could live independently. 
out of here. She's like, I have yeah, life she's skills. Everything in the- <laughs> yeah. Ready to go send out her CV around town. Get a, get a new job. I can totally see um, that. <laughs> but, but yeah, I see. I mean, yeah. And, and um, the fun thing about our family is that so many cousins and I got the benefit of growing up seeing so many cousins like you know older than me and I feel like at the time like like early my some of my earliest memories of you I think you were probably already in college or yeah probably maybe yeah because which is great and you're always like the you know kind of the north star of of like role models you know oh gosh that, yes, I mean, and and public speaking. I mean, so many great things to see you do throughout the years. It is interesting to think that you and I somewhat bookend our cousin generation, right? Like sure. in that uh-huh. sense. I mean, yes, Justin is older than me, but in terms of the girls, it's sure it's yeah, you yeah. all the way up to me. <laughs> right? Yeah, Justin had to go rough it alone yeah. as the lone boy, but yeah, we all had <laughs> plenty of. I had plenty of. Uh, role models ahead of me um so it's just hilarious thinking about that too but I mean you know um and then I guess I I kind of I remember when we visited you and we talked about this recently we visited you when you lived in New York City you were probably like 24 23 like quite young so younger than I am now but I remember thinking like oh wow you know she's a full-grown adult and has an apartment in New York City living so bossy yeah yeah (laughs) living so you know has a job right and and um, employed and then now looking at like okay so that was you know a couple years ago hey I haven't done anything near that Uh, and so I'm like oh wow you know you've been doing that since you were in high school you've been oh god no no you've been like out Um, there working you I mean honestly I think in a sense you've been to a club probably before I did Oh, no. I mean, yeah, it's hilarious thinking about, too, like, when we were talking with, um, when I was talking with Christy about how some of us younger cousins, too, also kind of, like, get to see the steps ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, it's it's kind of great in the sense of, like, I kind of knew, oh, okay, so then you go to college, and then maybe you get a job, and then you, you know, yeah. you go and you live, you know. <laughs> yeah. Versus Melissa was like, yeah, I didn't really know there was, like, life past sixth grade, because, like, who is she going to know who else was yeah you know, i know i, I was listening guys, to her comment of that that is amazing and so well put <laughs> so well put my god right. like what happens after then i don't know, I don't know. we just all walk off a cliff who knows um <laughs> your guess is as good as mine uh but but specifically consulting because that is a thing that i think oh, a lot yes. of people aspire to after college and it is a very seems like a very tough but enriching thing as far as like seeing a lot of different things but do you feel like you learned from that stage of life and having been through that thing that a lot of people maybe don't know much about or look up to how was that stage of your life ooh that is such a good I know question it's a while Sarah. ago but you are okay. so good at this job <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, and you know, I, um, I talk about this often with my childhood friends who I'm still really close with. And we reflect on our twenties, mostly our twenties and thirties were just periods of tremendous growth. I, I think of, you know, a year in my twenties is probably worth, I don't know, like five years in my thirties and a year in my thirties was probably worth like 10 years because it's, it, it, um, you cover so much ground in terms of self-discovery, 
which unfortunately is always accompanied with mistakes and horrific regrets, but also so much growth and so much opportunity. And, um, you know, in fact, it makes me think of your really clever topic of positivity on a positivity podcast. Ooh, yeah, working that in very smooth. <laughs> yes, but it, I mean, truly, it's when, um, when I think of all of the different experiences I had in my 20s and earlier in life and later, for that matter, really. So what am I saying? Basically, all life of different experiences. Nice. Um, yeah, it. It, it does, if you have the right attitude for it of, um, you know, just a degree of openness and like a little bit of humility, then you learn so much. And then there's such a positiveness to the learning process or, you know, even to the horrific falls, you discover stuff along the way. Um, so, yeah, in, in at work, in consulting, particularly in the travel, I was just traveling a enormous amount um which was very very unpleasant at the time because it's just exhausting and in your 20s everyone's having such rich lives um especially like before social media everyone was having rich lives in person and so if you're not there in person oh, wow. you're yeah. really quite left out and this is before the FOMO term existed but now I really that really resonated with me because I was just constantly mm -hmm. in FOMO because I wasn't, I was, I was international probably, I don't know, maybe like 70, 80% of the time, which meant that I was just out of the loop all the time. And it was quite frustrating, but it also taught me a lot. And I saw a sure. lot in terms of, you know, other cultures, other people, other ways of doing things, the way Americans are perceived by other people, other yeah. places. That was really eye opening. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, that's interesting because I think a lot of people see the flip of that as like, ooh, you know, to travel and everything, they might be, you know, looking at that and saying like, that's what I should have done. Or, you know, now with social media, basically everything else is what we should have done. <laughs> I, know, I know. You know, just seeing totally any different. other way to live is the only way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but interesting. Yeah. I mean, for sure, the, the FOMO thing, except for right now, I guess, because there's a limited amount of things to do <laughs> uh always applies um but yeah and then well okay then I guess that's uh that's interesting because I also you know only living in America and then I grew up in Southern California only living in Southern California for so long which is great and stable and and I'm thankful for it but for sure I was very um and still am like, oh, yeah, I guess that is very like America, you know, centric yeah. or that the way I'm thinking is actually really local, even though I think it's universal. And maybe that's just the way we think of ourselves. But um, like what kind of things were you shocked to learn at that time, I guess, about um, how people oh gosh, see us? That's a good or, question. Yeah. Um, well, perhaps... I mean, there are going to be other things that come to mind, but the thing that comes to mind most immediately right now is that um, we forget in America that you can travel around America and communicate with everybody. But it's interesting to me that in other countries, there are sort of regional dialects, regional languages. And, you know, we have just, it's, it's, such, a, it's such a benefit to be able to, um, yeah, to strike up you know, potentially a meaningful conversation with people um, in any part of the country. 
Um, another thing that I noticed that this was not my story, but I heard it and it, it was, I was, uh, anyway, the point is, um, I came to appreciate how American it is to be friendly, that um, mm. there's a, there's a form of interaction that we have with people that's very chipper and, um, how are you? I, you know, I hope you're doing well. Like what brings you here? You know, just very upbeat and interactive that if you are in a situation where people are not that way, it's easy to assume that that person is not welcoming or is not inviting, but it just, it looks different in other countries. They are just as welcoming and just as kind. Um, it just presents differently. And I think that also sort of started me on this journey of curiosity about how the same kind of feeling can look different on this mm. person versus that person and yeah totally yeah yeah because I guess we kind of assume like certain things must be human nature or just like oh well because you know biologically our faces go like this and we're happy or whatever totally. but I guess that's definitely not the case exactly you know, it's, across the board <laughs> yeah 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 it's like um yeah, you know, because we're all born with relatively the same um, physical characteristics, but then there's just so much culture and yeah. social norm that's then baked into how to present as happy or pleased, or is it even appropriate mm -hmm. to smile that way and to show that much yeah, yeah. Um, joy? Which actually, another thing that I'm thinking of is you and I both love Terrace House, and... <laughs> One of the yeah. reasons I was just all over that show when I first heard about it was that um, I really enjoyed the opportunity to get a little peek into how Japanese people behave, you know, at home when they're just making a snack or something. Right. Granted, I know it's a reality TV with sure, air sure. quotes and it's, you know, 20 somethings <laughs> and they're all trying to date each other. But still, I mean, it's way more insight than I would ever get no matter how many yeah, times yeah. I like go to Tokyo on vacation or something or Karizawa sure, that yeah. was my favorite oh season. yeah or how many terrace house tours and yeah exactly how many restaurants that they went on dates on and exactly and you checked out very exciting um yeah I mean so yeah just a little context for the listeners Natalie went on a full-blown terrace house tour of Karizawa very cool. And um, Tokyo. We did another spots. one. Oh, in Tokyo? Oh, specific spots. Well, you got to do Tokyo. You got to keep you know, going. Who knows? Yeah, you got to do all the all the places. Um, but yeah, that is so true. That's why I like it too. It does feel like you're kind of getting like this, ooh, look, they're, they don't know I'm watching. So I can see the authentic nature of how people, yeah, are just doing their own thing at home and how that's same the same as what I do and how that's different. Um, yeah. but of course it is have, I'm sure, I mean, like, I wouldn't want people to judge how I am based on what they're doing on our reality shows, but totally, but of totally. course, hopefully, you know, hopefully that the terrace house is trying to be more slice of life. I don't know. Or it's even like, it's interesting, like the things you can't hide, for instance, like the way that Japanese people might flirt or, you know, even mm -hmm. just the, like, what they is, have to, right. they have to flirt, but it looks so different and Sure. Not to get really specific, but like, for instance, in this most recent season with Vivi, 
like Vivi. Vivi. Yeah. Yes. With her flirting style, it was much more Western. So, you know, I'm sure. sure you or I could see it coming from further away versus oh, right. like Maybe they... when Japanese people, there was a lot of like, does he like her? I don't know. Like, why is Yumi oh, yeah. like being so receptive to boss? I don't get it. Why? Like, why is this happening? Right. Oh. <laughs> but, um, you know, like it was fascinating to me to see that even even if you assume so much of it is probably staged, but just seeing mm-hmm. how like what does flirting look like or how does one ask someone out on a date in Japan versus the U.S. or wherever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is true. It is. It's a really because, of course, they have to they probably are interested in each other like that can't be that manufactured or produced well it can but but I guess like yeah so their flirting should be for the goal of getting a date and so how does that work and how who responds to what so it's yeah that is fascinating and um I feel like yeah I feel like to the more internet and stuff is out there like it seems like at least ooh, I get a little peek because I feel like I've been able to um look at more maybe more uh, everyday depictions of life elsewhere because of like Instagram. It's like, oh, I follow this dog who lives in Thailand and then, oh, and then here's her family, you know? So <laughs> obviously it's one example, but, you know, I like to think I'm international because I'm on Instagram. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and you are. You but are. speaking of, yeah, speaking of your your international life at the moment and how, you know, what was it like moving to Hong Kong because I guess at the you know I don't know if I've ever actually fully asked you this because it happened and then you're there and you're seems like you're thriving so I'm like she's doing great but yeah how (laughs) what was it like in that moment and that decision because it's not not a small move yeah not a small move it's um yes I like the question so let's see moving to Hong Kong was probably just the thing that I was always meant to do. It's bizarre how much from like day one, I felt like this is, this is my home. And I, which is surprising given the fact that, so Sierra's from LA, I'm from Northern California and I loved Northern California. Like I love living in the Bay area. I completely picture myself as a Bay area girl, but somehow in coming to Hong Kong, it was just, all of the things somehow clicked into place. And frankly, that was even independent of Eric. Although, I mean, obviously it was a big help (laughs) that he was here. (laughs) um, But yeah, so let's see. In terms of the decision, I think that was the question is, I I met Eric, he was already living in Asia. So let's see, Eric is from, Eric is originally from Taiwan. He's lived, um, Mm kind of all over Asia. Uh, but at that point he was living and working in Hong Kong. And I have always wanted to live in Asia. And I attempted and failed miserably just after college um, because I, I went to Shanghai and realized I don't speak Mandarin. <laughs> and as it turns out, that's what they speak in China. Oh, so then it's harder. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I guess 
you know, so as context, you've mentioned this before, but to your listeners, our family is, or my family is Chinese, Sierra's, and half of Sierra is Chinese. Half Japanese. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But our family is incredibly removed from the immigrant experience. So Mm -hmm. both of our parents, as well as our grandparents' generation, were born in the U.S., so the language and the culture is, in, is, is frankly, is a foreign concept because even when our grandparents, especially our grandfather was born in the U.S., it, was, it predated the Chinatowns and the Chinese communities that now yeah. really thrive in Southern California. So they um, assimilated so completely that everything was kind of actively discarded at that time. Mm. Um, so anyway... For me to come to Asia, I look Asian, but I, I don't have any of the reference points or the language background or the, um, I guess, even the historical context to appreciate it. But so anyway, I came to Hong Kong and that was why it was just so incredible to me was to see how comfortable I was despite mm. um, not having a lot of familiarity. And yes, and it's been amazing, and I super love it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. yeah, well, I don't know if I've ever um, been able to describe our family uh, history as right. clearly and eloquently as you have just now, because I, oh. <laughs> I, um, like, I think about, yeah, because I think, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, well, just many generations ago, you know, yeah. so I kind of think like, well, don't, doesn't everybody get rid of their culture by the time, you know, you're four generations in? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I guess it is true that like, of course, at the time, it was before a lot of culture could, yeah. you know, yeah, you, you kind of depend on a community to make sure that stuff persists. And, yes. and so it was uh, probably more deliberately lost than we realize. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's really comforting to hear that you have found that home in Hong Kong because, you know, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, like, I think being a lot of Asian Americans maybe talk about going back to their homeland and, you know, the discomfort that comes with that or whatever, or maybe they're a family and they don't know them or whatever, but because we are so far removed, it's sort of like, wait, what is the homeland? We don't know where it is, you know, and (laughs) yeah, yeah, I guess we're here, but also, right. Yeah. So there's a lot of, um, so that's that's really great it's like to hear. The way I uh-huh. I often explain it to people as because most of my Asian American friends are the children of immigrants. So mm-hmm. I often explain it to them as I am your grandchild, or even in some cases your <laughs> great grandchild, because oh, that's a good you know way to like put that's it, one way that people can think about it. Because when I was right. in college, there were a lot of Asian people around me, way more than I had ever encountered earlier in life. And I remember people would respond to me the way I present, which is I look Asian. So probably we have, you know, we have the same experiences. We have the same struggles in communicating with our parents. You know, you totally get that your parents don't, you know, are more strict with you or have certain expectations of you. And actually, I didn't get that. And I don't have any Mm -hmm. communication problems or I don't have any, um, you know, I can have a a full conversation with grandma and you know and she yeah, yeah, yeah. and she also can and I remember actually I had this funny moment in college and you were there but you may not remember this but I had come Ooh. down to LA and I was meeting with my roommate Donna who's from LA and her boyfriend at the time 
And so he came to grandma and grandma's house and met up. For some reason, I think they were like picking me up and maybe we were going out or something. And I remember when I was with Dennis and Donna alone, he was like, wow, your grandfather doesn't have an accent. And I had just never thought of it that way because, you know, our grandfather is just our grandfather. That's just the way he speaks. And our grandma, (laughs) that's just the way she speaks. She speaks like grandma. Um, Mm -hmm. But it took someone outside of the family to make that comment. And then I was like, oh, right. And he was like, wait, how long has your family been here? And I was like, dude, longer than so many other families. (laughs) Been here the whole time. I don't know. I don't know what to say. (laughs) But that was also when, like in meeting Uh Eric's family, for instance, they Mm -hmm. understood that I didn't speak Chinese, but I think it took them meeting my parents to realize, oh, or like, you know how we had that lunch in LA and they met all of our extended family And that was when they were like, oh, this isn't about like Natalie, you know, kind of being shy or, you know, being being, (laughs) um, self-conscious about her Chinese. It's just like no one in that family speaks Chinese. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, imagine. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's not just a personal thing. It's a it's a full blown family thing. Um, (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, I guess it is. It's it's strange. And it's funny because I feel like. I, when I would also talk to friends who, um, and pretty much, yeah, all my friends probably who I met in college, almost all children of immigrants, um, and they would, you know, loop me in and, oh, you know, this thing, and then I'd probably just be like, ha, yeah, you know, I, I didn't know what, I was like, yeah, I guess so, whatever, ha, um, but yeah, looking back, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I probably, you know, didn't know that much about what they're talking about, but I wasn't really sure how to tell them, so I'll you know we'll clean that up later like our own little people i must say it's like because not only Uh was there not the language we like our grandfather talk about not an asian model minority he was an artist i mean that's just not the typical asian story what does that even mean right yeah Yeah, i think i tell people that sometimes and they're like "Hmm, oh so what like i i don't know what they think yeah i think like so not a doctor yeah they're like are (laughs) you yeah yeah like did he do that on the side or like I don't know what they imagine because also that you know jobs change so much and what it means to be an artist changed a lot right, right, right. so it's like oh yeah I guess he would draw he would just draw, he would draw. anything and everything you needed and, and he was and and he would draw and he was a cartoonist which is just like right. so many layers Humor. removed from the typical Asian sure um the the way that Americans have embodied Asians which and yes, like yes, going back to is... that other point you we're asking about which was such a good one is like how how in in traveling around the world how does america i don't know differ or you know what in what way is that different but um yeah it turns out chinese people can be cartoonists and be really good at it and like have senses of humor and then pass that on to their granddaughter (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean what a you know it is always funny to look over that stuff but okay I did want to I did want to fit in too about specifically your women's workshop that oh, you yeah. run because that's another thing that's very unique and I think in the same way that you know model minority breaking the stereotype stuff you know oh, it's it's yeah. definitely different from I, I think I think sometimes that stereotype can be like just powering through and doing you know the ambitious thing and and not really creating community maybe oops 
not creating community in the same way. So how, what does women's workshop mean to you? And and what was the, uh, what was the beginnings of that? Another good question. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Women's workshop. I love, 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 love. Um, I started it with another therapist friend of mine, Cherry, two years ago. And, you know, the genesis of it was I had just finished, I had been, um, working with women. I, I, so aside from my practice, I had been volunteering at this refugee center, um, here in Hong Kong with, um, it just kind of serving as a, it was for, um, people who were applying for, uh, their ref applying to be accepted for their refugee status so they were having to recount their stories to lawyers or caseworkers and in so doing that obviously can um, surface a lot of trauma and so if they if they wanted to or if the caseworker thought it would be helpful they would talk to me as in kind of a therapeutic capacity Uh, so anyway in the process of that i encountered so many women who had just dealt with so much stuff Um, and this was right around kind of the Me Too movement also. And it really, I really wanted to do work with women in some way, but I don't speak, um, a lot of the language, like we would often have to have translators, uh, because a lot of these people are coming from African countries and all kinds of languages going on. So I, I felt limited in that way, but I knew I still wanted to do something with women and I saw how connective building a sense of community can be, obviously. I mean, we know that. It's just hard sometimes to create that. And I had even experienced that same struggle in moving to Hong Kong and trying to figure out, yeah. like, who are my people here? Um, so anyway, I, I thought I could still create a group just for you know, women who want to speak English with me talk about topics. And I personally love basically what you and I are doing right now is just talking deeply with maybe one or two or three other people. And so that was, that was what kind of got women's workshops started in my mind. And then, um, what we do is just, we pick kind of open-ended questions and discuss them. And the idea is that when you're, when you talk with your friends or your family or coworkers, even you get sort of the same type of feedback or, you know, you're in a bit of an information silo and that if you go to strangers, you have possibly access to different information and different perspectives and there's sometimes a lot of safety in anonymity. And, you know, if you don't know these people, um, you can admit to not understanding the thing that everyone else seems to get, or, you know, you can challenge opinions. And, um, and, you know, I have to say, Women's Workshop has really been helping for me in that a lot of the women who have come have really opened my eyes to things, um, which I just love, love, love. So, um, yeah, that's, oh, cool. yeah, yeah I, I think that's, I, I remember when you had, or when I first heard about that you were doing this, it oh, sounds yeah. so, it sounds so necessary. I feel like, you know, you kind of wish that, well, A, I wish that it was here, <laughs> wish that I could join now, but, um, I guess like it's, it's kind of true that, you know, I for sure 
probably don't talk to many of yeah many different people i do in the sense of now with the podcast yeah yeah but it's also a lot scarier too i guess like asking a guest who i've never talked to before and then meeting them over zoom it's like oh hi and then i always say something awkward and you know i I mean sorry the wrong uh i mean you know (laughs) so it's always Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. a lot more challenging but i do get a lot out of it because i hear experiences or things that i never came across before and that's one thing that i liked about uh, liked about comedy before it you know now I don't meet anybody through it because because uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's all remote but um but yeah you know you kind of are doing more um on the ground and you bump into people maybe that I I wouldn't have bumped into before but yeah um I guess how did how do you uh give or what what kind of advice would you give to somebody who especially at a time like this when you know oh. There's not a lot of ways to go and meet people or make friends or even just in this age. Everybody, at least here, always talks about how social media has made us more separate than ever before or lonelier. It's a lonely time. So how do you gather the courage to organize or initiate um, friendships and things like that? Because that's hard. (laughs) And you had to do it moving to a whole new place, too. So even that experience must have made you a a soldier of of friendship (laughs) (laughs) yeah hmm well let's see I guess uh, what was interesting in moving to Hong Kong at that point so I was 30 29 I forget um you know at that point I hadn't made the last like if you really think about it the friends I had made um, in childhood, I kept throughout all of childhood. And then in college, I made friends, honestly, in the same way. You make friends with the people that you happen to live with and through their friends, or the people you happen to have class with and right. through their friends, which is the same as when, you're in, as when you're a kid. It's whoever's in your class. And so... Your it, seat partner. Yeah, yeah, your seat partner. <laughs> your bandstand mate. Um, but... Yeah, so in coming out here, it was interesting because making friends was quite a challenge. I think also in part because I was, at that point I was engaged, but, you know, so you just socialize a little bit differently. And um, uh, it was also coupled with that point in my life, a lot of the people I was meeting were sort of in their nesting stage because they were either themselves getting married and or having kids. And granted, in Hong Kong, people get married and have kids much later, but I was meeting people kind of in their mid-30s or so or older. And so a lot of them were getting married and having kids, and I knew Eric and I had decided that wasn't something we wanted to pursue, which then put us in this kind of funny, weird bubble where we were married, so we weren't necessarily out and partying with single people, but we were (laughs) also not joining like the mommy blogs and checking out preschools and stuff, which was, I mean, which truly is like a whole social ecosystem that you can just plug and play into when you move countries. You just, you find the school and then all of a sudden there's a whole community there. Um, So it was quite a challenge, honestly. It was a little bit weird. And then um, this is when I had a real epiphany for my marriage too, which was because I was kind of looking to Eric to become my best friend, also my husband, also my, you know, kind of career advisor, just all the things. And that was when I realized, oh, but actually I have amazing girlfriends 
they're just back in the U.S., but, you know, the phone was invented a while ago, and that exists wow, and works. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then apps and all kinds of free international call things popped up, too. And yeah. that was when I realized I can, I, I, you know, I can absolutely make new friends in Hong Kong, but I, um, I have lovely friends already, and I can keep in touch with them. And Eric can just be my husband. He doesn't, he's, he's a pretty average girlfriend. And that's okay. Yeah, he doesn't have to wear all those hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's like a revelation that I think is, I've, I've been hearing a lot recently, mm. is that oh, like, yeah, you know, yeah. sort of the dependency on the partner to be everything kind of makes it a lot, you know, it's just a, it's a tough standard and yes. nobody really wants to be that person, let alone, you know you looking for that in the other person so totally I I think Esther Perel had a TED talk about this and I remember when I heard it I was like that is exactly what that's exactly the process I had gone through that I Mm. god I remember having this great conversation with this friend actually it was more like my friend's friend she was this French woman and I remember telling her and my friend just like oh yeah you know Eric I tried to talk to him about this stuff but he doesn't talk to me about it and she was like god you're so American and I was like what (laughs) do you mean I'm like a little offended but also intrigued and that was when she explained like you Americans you think your partner completes you you guys all buy into that Jerry Maguire stuff like this is before (laughs) Esther Perel and so she was explaining she's like you guys are all into your rom-coms you all think it's about the partner She's like, it's not about the partner. What's wrong with you? And it kind of took someone who made it more of like a cultural thing as opposed to a Natalie crazy thing to make me see like, oh, maybe this is a different way of looking at it. And then I kind of shifted and that was a really magical thing for our marriage. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I guess like that it does, I guess noticing this, the trend of, of being able to see outside of yourself and seeing like the, you know, other perspectives, it does really round out like, Oh, okay. Wow. I guess that's what I look like. But I, I also agree. Yeah. If, if somebody's telling you it's a, it's a you thing, then, then it's really hard to be like, well, but then, okay, then I guess I got to work on this within my own life. But the minute it starts to become like a bigger than you thing, I think it's very, it's a lot easier to like Mm -hmm. take a little, take a step back. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. But that's that's really exciting. I know you also do couples counseling, or oh, you yeah. were a couples counselor. Are you? I, I don't know if that's still part of the mix. <laughs> Good question. Is it part of the mix? <laughs> Who knows, man? Um, I I more I I see individuals, um, mm-hmm. and typically the couple aspect comes up in it. Um, I'm a marriage family right, right. therapist. So the family system is really interesting to me, the couple, you know, be that a couple or a family or even a more extended family. Um, and, but yeah, I, I took a fascinating couples training course and actually I was going to take a different one this fall if there hadn't been COVID because it's, I would have had to travel for it. But anyway, um, yeah, but I work primarily with adults, with individual adults. And we talk about all kinds of stuff, relationships being one of them. And it's fun and fascinating. That's, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's quite, or it's, it ends up being part of it no matter what. If it's like, 
you know, part of their life. Um, and okay, actually, that brings, oh yeah. I would, I would add to that. The interesting thing, I like, this is just the way I happen to interact with clients, but it's that relationships, the relationship dynamic is important and relevant in a romantic capacity, but also, you know, in a friendship one. And I would even argue in a sense, like in a country wide, like if you were to look at a country as a family or like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, your eyes. you're like, whoa, yeah, wow, um, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a, so then a I kind of see that. topic. I that's uh-huh. interesting. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, ooh. Ooh. so based on, based on like, you can kind of see how people maybe interact within their, their more local relationships or whatever their inner inside of their family relationships that mirrors their country. I mean, this is a very enormous generalization, but I think about it a lot. Sure. I mean, the, just the way that we're, well, just culturally, but yeah. Yes. Yes. Cultural. This is like, I think about this in terms of like America versus China, for instance, it's like Mm -hmm. in American families on a micro level, there's, you know, the ideal is that you strive to one day be independent of your family and to one day be self-reliant. And that's, Mm. you know, that is what success looks like. That's what safety is. Your parents are proud if you leave (laughs) and are like, (laughs) right. It's a little weird if you don't, or it's uh, weird is completely not the fair or right word, but it's just in America, the independence is really um, respected. And what I found to be interesting in coming here is the Chinese people I met, how much it's like, yeah, they want independence, but also there's just a tremendous amount of respect and um, reverence for the family, the family unit. Like, that's a really important thing here that um, that I really like. And it's it's really cool to see. But it therefore puts a kind of a, it casts a slightly different shadow or maybe a slightly different color on the way the government is run too in a way where there's there is this sort of um you know there's a faith in the government and an expectation that it will take care of you and if seen through the lens of like we all want independence then that can look a little bit authoritarian or you know right um everyone is forced to be a certain way but that's if you if you put it I don't know in the context of like oh well her mom just won't let her go out and but like my American mom wants me to go out and I get to go to the parties and it's so great it's so great <laughs> but it's I mean it's just a different style of parenting really it's not right or wrong and um, that at least like with that again very very broad brushstroke but it helps me at least metabolize the news a lot more easily Mm. because I, you know, am born and raised in America. I have a very American mindset for the world, but I am curious about how other countries do things. And I don't think it's fair to just dismiss it as crazy or wrong or inhumane. In a different context, actually, it makes a ton of sense. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it it is, it is um, eye-opening, I think, even hearing about like how different, uh, yeah, different like mindsets that also like expand out into the society. Like I remember I was reading some book about um, just how like different uh, 
countries yeah different cultures treat depression or just self-care really and like in america i mean again generalizations right but like maybe here it's like all right you know uh what's well i was doing the motion but i couldn't think Uh treat yourself like you know self-care go to the spa you know do it to you okay that's great Uh um and then other places it might be like okay go outward what sort of you know how can you kind of help the people in your life so that they kind of are happier and then they make you feel happier and that that feels like more sustainable i guess yes and maybe that's what we're trying to adopt here and maybe the goal is just to kind of like meet in the middle everywhere but like you know that there's um but yeah i I mean america's always been i guess very like independence and freedom even though you know now that's kind of crumbling in the sense of like well unless i know so unless yeah unless other things happen but anyway we're we're okay Uh um Uh (laughs) um but yeah no that's it is true because it's it's also really um i think when we look at other people and see them under a different type of government Mm-hmm. It's easy for Americans to be like, oh, how can you, you know, you're you're all helpless and, totally, you know, yeah, yeah. you didn't, yeah, right, like you didn't agree to this. Uh-huh. But it's like, well, actually, that's really taking away their agency and their, and their ability to make decisions. So, you know, sure, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. But yeah, yeah, that's all. I think when, when it's or when it's kind of interesting here too is I guess like, what you're saying about family and independence, like people who are kind of at the intersection of like Asian and American um, sometimes maybe it kind of does butt up against like well you know society wants me to like leave the home and be like a pioneer and then like but my mom wants me to stay here you know and take care of her you know so I'm sure that's yeah you see that sometimes I guess too which is fine and hope you know you wish that it could all align but it's always um it's a struggle. It's interesting. It's yeah. I I find it fascinating to see differences in um, in different places and just I don't know yeah. think about why that is. Sure. Yeah. No. That's. I mean, you're you're in a very you have been able to do that because you've made your life a, a gathering of different things and different places. <laughs> so that's very exciting. Yeah. And speaking yeah. of. Uh, a gathering? No, I don't know. I'm trying to transition to your bunnies. Oh, my bunnies! Yeah. I, you know, we can't we can't uh, complete the conversation without talking about <laughs> Sam and Chewy. Sam so how did Chewy. how did the bunnies come into your life, and what do the bunnies mean to you? Oh, the bunnies! So transformative. So we started with Sam. We began by babysitting her or bunny sitting her when our friends would travel. Um, and then I think the girl, they, they got Sam because they had two young girls and I guess they had um, maybe just, they weren't playing well with the bunny because as it turns out, actually rabbits are terrible for, or children and rabbits do not mix because rabbits actually need oh. quiet and they're very, very oh, delicate yeah. and they're prey <laughs> animals. So they're really anxious, you know, sure. if you think about it. So, um, Anyway, so the father had asked us to adopt her, and we were thrilled to do so. So we adopted Sam, but before we knew we were adopting Sam, we knew we wanted a bunny. So then Eric had our we we got Chewy. Um, so then we had two bunnies, which is lovely. Great, they have a friend, you know, not not alone in their in their world. Yes. I mean, I I remember hearing. 
the term prey animal. I don't think yeah. I ever thought about that yeah. until later. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a scary life to lead. You know, you're really <laughs> on defense. Um, They're always like, lot, oh my God, are you going to eat me? Oh my God, oh my God. Oh, We're like, dude, we haven't yeah. eaten you <laughs> in so long. Yeah, we would have done it already, yeah. right? It's okay. <laughs> you get all the good food. It's very... all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and... I guess, do, so do they like each other? Was it hard to get them to become oh, buddies or? Good question. Bunny buddies? They did not like each other. Then they liked Uh-oh. each other because our groomer is amazing. Jofi Mama is like just the bunny whisperer. And she no. and her colleague Mandy bonded them for us because we had attempted and kept failing and failing in part because Chewy was... Um, kind of a teenager and it was mm. it became Chewy is a boy Sam ironically is a girl <laughs> Sam is for <laughs> Samantha so once Chewy kind of hit bunny puberty it was like he just could not concentrate on anything and oh. was like constantly trying to hump Sam so that was awkward mm. um, but anyway so they helped us bond them they bonded and then they fought unfortunately which kind of unbonds mm. them um, I see. And this is far too long of a story, but so basically now they just live separately. So Sam is in here oh, with me okay. yeah, yeah. in the study, and then she's. <laughs> oh. We converted our. Like, we had a spare bedroom, but just like uh, Melissa and Connor were probably among the last people to use it, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we converted it into Chewie's room now. <laughs> Oh, good. Yeah. Good yeah. thing. You know, a whole, I, I mean, sometimes they got to have their own rooms and mm-hmm. figure out from there how to go on. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's, I, you know, I, I feel like I always have fantasized about having a bunny because they seem very oh, soft really? and very, you know, friendly, but I, I know they also poop a lot. I don't know. <laughs> what is, what, it, how would you describe a good person and environment to have a bunny? Ooh, super good question because I think you and Dylan would crush having a bunny because, <laughs> because I mean, it's their, bunnies are like the perfect animal. I mean, not that I'm biased, but they're, right. especially, they're like friendly and sweet and Chewy runs to greet you just like a dog, but they are oh, wow. clean and self, um, grooming like cats and and quiet oh, yeah. I mean they don't make any sound um and you can totally potty train them I mean they're like cats they want to they want to have a spot where they go to the bathroom all the time so as long as you train them to use you know a spot that's maybe in their cage or in somewhere then um then it's great and you can just wrap up your wires in those little wire protectors, or you can also kind of train them to not do that. You just like, if they do something you don't do, you just kind of, when bunnies are mad, they stomp. And so if they do something that you don't want them to do, you can kind of not really stomp, but you know, just kind of hit the ground loudly. And then they understand that that was bad, whether or not they will, whether or not they care is a separate issue, (laughs) but you can kind of train them to not chew on stuff. Um, so my bunnies are potty trained, so they do poop a lot, but they just poop in a litter box and, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. And they eat, you know, this is what I learned about Eric and I went to go see the pandas in Chengdu, like 
Oh, wow. Know, maybe a couple years ago. Incredible. But anyway, not to mention that, but the point was pandas are vegetarians. And yeah, yeah. Um, when we went, we got to spend a bunch of time like one-on-one with the pandas. Which what? I thought yeah, was amazing, but in, in the back of my mind, I was like, uh-oh, there's going to be like a whole bunch of panda poo everywhere. But in fact, oh, whoa, panda yeah. poo, it's weird to say it smells lovely, but it smells lovely. It's crazy because it's just what? mashed up bamboo. And bamboo mashed sure, up has yeah, kind okay. of a sweet, uh-huh. fresh smell. It's kind of like cucumbery uh-huh. and like apple maybe. Like oh. it, it totally smelled like you walked into a pressed juicery or something. It was really bizarre. Oh my bizarre. gosh, that's so funny. It was so funny wow. and such a pleasant surprise and amazing. And so in that way, I would liken it to, so bunnies also are vegetarians. So all they eat are like hay. Our bunnies eat hay and like carrot tops and lettuce. So oh. their poop, you don't smell their poop. You just smell the hay. Great. I mean, look. I mean, they're amazing pets. animals. I love bunnies. And pandas, dream animals. Yeah. Ah. That's great. I mean, what an endorsement, you know? Yes. Um, that is, that is, <laughs> that's lovely to hear. It makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's, it's exciting. And I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm surprised and thrilled to hear that pandas it's, smell good. It throughout is so surprising. It's like the digestive. And I must <laughs> say it's, I, I've told this to your mom and your sister before, but it's like, you know, cause growing up, we didn't have pets and it was your family with Tabasco that, oh, yes. That was like Shiba Inu. Yeah, your Shiba Inu that introduced me, although not really because we couldn't really hang out with the dog because <laughs> sure. Michelle was so allergic. And oh, it makes oh. me think how awful. And then you had your, did you, was it a Komodo dragon? Oh, God, no. It was a bearded dragon. Oh, a bearded dragon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The Komodos. But those still, it was big. Man yeah. eating things. But yeah, it was. It, it could get very big and it was, um, they're, they're probably the most domesticated of lizards so they do they're like oftentimes if somebody has a pet lizard they're probably a bearded dragon because they're very friendly but yes I did so we were were spoiled with pets and and like his I guess tank or like his warming his little house yeah yeah was enormous Mm -hmm. it took up like a big chunk of the room he needed (laughs) yeah yeah I mean yeah he was a big guy needed a lot of space you know fed him crickets yes Um, it was amazing yeah I, yeah, and it was yeah a formative time. <laughs> it was so interesting because I had just never, I wasn't familiar with having pets, and your family was the one that had the pets, and you had, it was oh, it was so cool, and yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's what I will say about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess because I know my my dad was very into he had parakeets, and then he had, and then him growing up had probably a few dogs and cats. Oh. So I think he was kind of like on that train a little bit more <laughs> oh yeah I can see but, that yeah I don't know uh-huh oh, yeah yeah but get a bunny but I remember I did that. specifically want a bunny as a child and I told my parents and then they got me a shirt with a rabbit on it instead, which is close <laughs> but Super they thought it was close. a hilarious joke too Just they were like, like haha we got you a bunny huh get it and uh, yeah I got it okay, my friend got me um, this mug <laughs> that's what I have my coffee in <laughs> Oh, wow, yeah. Bunny. I'm sorry, I can't. I have plans with the bunny. Yep, <laughs> sounds good. I take it as uh, a, a good excuse. Um, <laughs> oh, but having... But, that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yes, anyway. Yeah, please. I mean, you know, one day, one day, I'll, I'll, they'll, they'll become best friends. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, oh yeah, okay, so I know I don't want to take up your time, so we're wrapping up because oh, yes. we're hitting the hour mark here. Yes. 
but I did want to um, ask if you had any other like advice on positivity or like things Ooh. that you know just whatever thoughts on that as well um positivity I just I love this topic I think um I guess it's all about perspective right and um I remember a, a friend of mine said it really well um she said you know sometimes you have to decide if it's more important to you to be happy or to be right and I think of that sometimes in terms of positivity because I guess or maybe it's like positivity I think is almost a nice side effect to having um, this kind of meteor experience of experiencing something that might be negative or darker or harder and mm -hmm. going through the process of figuring out what is relevant or informative you know, or expanding for yourself. And in the process of that, you often will discover some kind of positive um, wisdom or perspective in it. But yeah, um, I know that's a very general statement, but I can't think, I just, I don't know, I feel no, yeah. positive and happy a lot about things. <laughs> I have a lot to be positive and happy about, so. Or, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that is a really good way of looking at it because, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it. Like, I think I think sometimes it gets a bad rap, like the, the word or even the term stay positive or anything like that, because mm -hmm. sometimes it's used to minimize people's experience, negative oh, experience, mm -hmm. or tell somebody to just like stop, you know, stop feeling what they feel. But the way you phrased it is very like clearly like from within and being your own perspective, which feels more, um, feels helpful and not trying to, you know, project it on somebody else. Yeah, that <laughs> so is the yeah. hope. It's, I mean, it's just, it's so empowering when you discover that you can just, you can a hundred percent decide how things are going to go in basically every situation of your life. Cause it's just up to you and your perspective and, and um, if you want to lean into the positive side of stuff, then you go for it. And if you don't, that's fine too, but that's a choice as well. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yes, that is true. Yeah. It's very, uh, gives, gives a certain amount of like, hope that okay, you know, you know, no matter what is coming at you, at least there is some amount of control because I think there's always a feeling like, ah, if you don't, if you don't have any say, then it can feel like, yeah. Uh, a lot more can feel a lot more lost yeah um yeah but yeah well wonderful thank you so much for imparting all your knowledge and yeah thoughts it was so helpful and it was so fun to talk to you oh it's so fun to talk to podcast. you 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 actually you make a good point you don't even though we're family and i've seen you at all these stages of life we haven't had you know, what has this been? Like an hour plus conversation of just me and Sierra talking. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. What a joy. About me, like, yeah, that's by the why. way. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and you're telling me stuff and everything is great. Uh -huh. But it is Yeah, fun. this is, this is, yes. And that, you know, that's why I do the podcast because I just want to talk to my cousins. <laughs> Love it. I need, I need an excuse. Um, But yes. So any, I guess any place that, 
I know you kind of are, are um, you, <laughs> you wanted to, you know, keep the name separate and things like that, but oh, any, yeah, anything yeah. you want to plug? Sometimes oh, I asked if they're, yeah. you know, if they're like public facing people, sometimes they want to say, oh, you can find me here, but maybe anything about women's workshop or any other oh, things yeah. or, or nothing at all. And that's totally fine too. <laughs> You're so, um, Keeping your options open. No, I, I, well, I have two public Instagram accounts. One, so women's Ooh. workshop. I, it's lovely. People are welcome to follow that. That's a, an open um, account that women in who attend the workshops. So it, these are just like open, open um, talks basically that happen once a month. But separately, we have an Instagram account where we just post open-ended questions. And the idea is you can just talk about them with other people if you wish, or you can start your own women's workshop. And cool. so anyway, ours is Women's Workshop HK. And, um, and if by chance you want to check out my bunnies, you can check out Bunny Choo Choo, C-H-E-W, <laughs> C-H-E-W. Amazing, um, yeah, good. Or Sam Bunny good Life. Branding. Which actually, Eric maintains Sam Bunny Life's account, and mm. I do Bunny Choo Choo, and ah. I attempt to have more followers with my bunny. I don't know how one does that, but I don't know. I just post photos of Chewy, and it's really oh, fun. I mean, yeah, no, that's great. That's a whole industry, you know, I'm sure. It is. One day they'll be oh churning in the, the product placement and the free bunny products. Hopefully. You're so, it's so true. It's. And it's really cool, actually. My bunny, Bunny Choo Choo, is friends. He's such a global, <laughs> international bunny. Oh yes. You know, he's got I'm friends sure. with people all around the world. It's such a lovely community of cuteness. Oh, that's adorable. I, I mean, I think that's the best part of social media is yes. cute animal social media because there's yeah. hardly any, yeah. you know, hardly any trolls in the comments and. Yeah, I, like I said earlier, I follow some dogs in Thailand, and it's like, wow, what a oh. what a peek into the life of a Thai English bulldog, you know? Oh, that is kind of <laughs> so. Cool. I'm sure people find the same about a peek into the life of a Hong Kong bunny. A Hong Kong bunny, or I mean, the other things that are kind of fun is like um, like Melissa's like sustainable. What is it? Sustainable veggie. Sustainable self. Yeah, it's like yeah, gardening. I, I love seeing, like, that community. I've kind of checked a little bit sometimes who follows Who's her. commenting. Yeah, and it's yeah. really nice. It's like, this is what social media so is for. It's yes. like, it I know, teaches yeah. you lovely things about stuff that people care about, and and people are nice on it. It's, it's fantastic. I know. Imagine a world. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, they'll be like, oh, I don't know. My tomato doesn't look like that. Yeah. <laughs> my pineapple oh, tomato. I think if you had a little more you water. <laughs> Maybe add a little bit of this or that, bit of more of that. Yeah, it's so specific. Yeah, I like it. But it's beautiful. Yeah, so, okay, Bunny Choo Choo. Bunny Choo Choo. Uh, Women's Workshop HK. <laughs> you know, Sam Bunny Life, if you're feeling If generous, you're feeling but, so inclined. Yeah. If you're feeling like, yeah, you, you really need some more bunnies in your life. Bunnies. <laughs> right, right. Incredible. Um, and, yeah, well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your morning and so great to see you oh this was so nice so nice thank you for asking i'm so flattered and and this was really fun and you were so prepared with the questions by the way oh good thank you all right 
right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to that interview with my cousin, Natalie. You know, so happy to actually have a real therapist on the podcast and someone who has bunnies. So make sure to check out her bunnies uh, on Instagram. You know, I follow I follow them. So you might as well, too. You know what I mean? Add a little bunny to your life. If I may, I just want to put a couple plugs at the end of this podcast. Make sure that if you like listening to Stay Positive, you like what I'm putting out there, share with a friend. Send it to a friend. Maybe, um email it to a friend. I don't know how you talk to your friends. If you can, that would be great. I love to get more people on board. I will be releasing more even though I am a little bit busier these days and I love to do it. So that's always fun. Leave us a review. Us? Leave me. (laughs) Us. Leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, Preferably five stars with a glowing sentence. You know, just a small suggestion. Also, subscribe. That way you'll make sure to get the newest episodes downloaded to your device Mm, is that what people say so that you have it right when i release it because who knows when i'm gonna release it i'm sporadic and finally if you can um i'd love for you to watch close enough on hbo max that's a new animated adult animated show that i'm writing for um i'm actually writing for a later season but right now season one is available on hbo max so if you're looking for like more stuff to binge it's written by a bunch of funny people and you know I just want to keep having a job, so please help me do that. And finally, I hope you have a good rest of your week. It's a pretty damn good week, so I can only imagine that is going to be more fun. All right. Yay. Bye.